Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, an SB Nation blog covering your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host, PD, wishing you all a happy new year as we get back into hockey action here in 2022. Uh, Blue Jackets were back after their extended holiday break uh, due to COVID outbreak on the team around the league. It's an issue still affecting the league, still games being postponed as a result of this. Since we were last on here, uh, the league confirmed that they will not be participating in the Olympics, uh, which is a shame for those players to miss that opportunity, but I think it is the, the right thing to do, given the concerns still about COVID and the way that it's still running through the league. Because they are not going to the Olympics, those three weeks in February with, that had no game schedule will now be used to make up the games that have been postponed. The Blue Jackets themselves have six games that have been postponed, that will be made up at some point in February. They have home games against the Maple Leafs and the Sabres, and road games against the Flames, Sabres, Blackhawks, and Montreal Canadiens. That game against the Canadiens was going to be next Monday the 10th. That will be made up at some point in February. Most of the players that were originally on the COVID list for the Blue Jackets have come off of it. Jonas Corposalo, however, is still on the COVID list. He has been joined by Gavin Bayreuther. Oliver Bjorkshand was on the list, missed two games, but he was back at practice on Monday, so he should be back in action this week. Uh, Zach Wierenski tested positive on Monday. Um, due to changes in the protocols, there's a chance that he might not miss much time if he is asymptomatic, if he is able to have a negative test in the next day or so. He could be right back in action. Uh, His availability for Tuesday's game, though, that's still up in the air. So, again, this is a very fluid situation. Things are changing from day to day. We're just trying to deal with it the best we can. And, again, hopefully uh, we can get through this Omicron outbreak fairly quickly and get back to normal. But, again, there is hockey news to talk about, actual hockey results to talk about. The Blue Jackets, after their break, did finally play on Thursday and Saturday. They had a shootout win over the Nashville Predators, and then they followed that up with a loss on New Year's Day to the Carolina Hurricanes. 
So I was back in the arena on Thursday, my first time back at a game in over a month. Um, I had some concerns about going to the game um, because of the rising COVID numbers with Omicron. Um, not necessarily worried about getting sick, but worried about spreading to others who might get sick. Um, I noticed that the team was reminding attendees before the game about the mask policy. Um, I felt like there was better masking than I had seen at the first two games I'd been at. Uh, I saw more effort by the ushers to enforce it, um, which they had not been doing in the first few games, but they were doing in this game, reminding people to put their masks up. Um, there is still the exemption in the rule that if you're actively eating or drinking that you can have your mask down for that. And I think some people are exploiting that by, you know, having a tub of popcorn on their lap or a beer in their hand and say, oh, look, I'm drinking. I can have my mask down. Um, that's a problem. People need to stop doing that. Um, I, As I was eating or drinking, I would, like, pull my mask down just enough to fit a nacho in my mouth and then pull it back up as I chewed. Um, so that's something that, again, people just need to be a bit more responsible about that. But at least there was a little bit more of an effort to enforce that, so hopefully that continues at least until we get through this this current wave. It was not a great game for the Jackets, but this is one where you have to give them credit where they found a way to win, even if they didn't play their best game. Uh, clearly, rust was a factor. Uh, they looked like a team that had not played for two weeks and only had a handful of practices under the belt before getting back into game action. The Predators, meanwhile, had played the night before in Washington, so I think they were in game shape to start out. I think by the end of the game, that's where you maybe saw the back-to-back starting to come into play and the Predators were maybe running out of steam, whereas by the third period over time, the Jackets had you know, worked through some of their rust. Alexander Texier, who had been red-hot through December, he picked up where he left off. He's still playing incredibly well. He is our best forward currently. Uh, not something I expected to say <laughs> at the start of the season or after the first few games where he was struggling, but uh, he has found his game now, and it's really, really fun to see. Uh, Gus Nyquist, who has been a punching bag of, of mine lately, um, he had two good games, uh, getting points, uh, getting goals, getting assists. He is finally contributing, so that that's good to see. It's long, long overdue, but better late than never. The Carolina game is super frustrating. The Jackets had a 4-0 lead halfway through the game, and they ended up losing 7-4. You should not give up seven unanswered goals. You should not give up seven goals, period, in an entire game, let alone seven goals in less than 30 minutes. That's just a inexcusable lack of effort, lack of focus, and it's the same issue that has been plaguing the Jackets for most of the last month. They keep blowing leads. They keep giving up goals in quick succession. It's just, it's not just a talent thing. They're not as talented as Carolina, sure. Should they lose Carolina, sure. But to collapse in that fashion, it's that comes down to coaching. It comes down to leadership on the ice from the veterans. But whatever's going wrong, they need to fix it. If it happens once, fine. It's a bad game. But the fact that this keeps happening is a big issue. And I have wrote about this in the recap. I wrote about it in my December review that went up on Monday. 
This is Brad Larson's responsibility. I'm not calling for his head or anything like that. I'm just saying that this is the first bit of extended adversity that the team has faced this season. And so this is a the first big test for him. You know, how is he going to respond to it? What solutions is he going to be able to find? Or are his assistants going to be able to find? But they need to find answers soon before the season really gets out of control. I'm not, again, I still don't think this is going to be a playoff team. I don't think they're that good. I think there are enough other teams in the East that are better. But I want to see this team be competitive from game to game and just be able to put together 60 minutes of hockey, which they have not been doing lately. They have like a good period. But that's not enough. You can't be good for 20 minutes and win a game. You can't be good for 40 minutes and win a game. You have to play a full 60. And I don't know what the answer is, but I know they need to find that answer. One silver lining in that Carolina game was the play of Daniil Tarasov. He was really solid in the first two periods. Then he suffered a groin injury, and Elvis Merzlikens came in in the third period. And coming in cold is not easy, but... Elvis still was just not good enough. Uh, he gave up four goals in a period. Just cannot do that. Um, he's had some struggles over the last month, and this team has shown that they can't handle a bad Elvis when really they need good Elvis to bail them out. But even in games where he's not super sharp, they've been able to score you know four goals sometimes, and four goals should be enough to win even if the goalie's not having his best game. I'm not over Elvis. I... I'm not concerned about Elvis. I just think he needs to get better. I know he. I know that he knows that he has to get better. I think he will, um, but that's just that has been an issue lately. That's been one reason why they've been losing. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to preview the upcoming week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, and we're back. So we've got three games coming up this week. First, on Tuesday night, the Jackets host the Tampa Bay Lightning for the first time this season. Tampa is, once again, playing like the two-time defending champions. They are a great team. This is a game that the Jackets probably should not win on paper. Uh, And yet, since that 2019 series, uh, that clearly changed the mindset of the Jackets, and they don't fear the Lightning. And they've actually played the Lightning pretty close. For as bad as the Jackets were last season, they were okay against Tampa. Uh, they had a 3-3-2 record. And in those eight games, the Jackets had 24 goals and the Lightning had 24 goals. So they basically played them even last season. I'm curious to see if they can do the same this time. The Lightning are still without Nikita Kucherov. He's out long-term with an injury. Um... They don't have the Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau line, which is one that caused the Jackets a lot of problems. Um, so maybe that's an opportunity there, but they do still have all their other great players. Uh, Braden Point is back from injury. 
and he has been a jacket killer in his career. Uh, we have to see what the goaltending situation is going to be like because Tarasov might be out if Korpisalo is still on the COVID list. Uh, Elvis Merzlikens didn't practice on Monday, so I don't know where that leaves the goalie situation. Uh, they might have to call up J.F. Berube from Cleveland, assuming he's not on the COVID list. Uh, if he is, I, boy, that's uh, that could be a problem facing a team like Tampa. Um, even with Elvis in goal, it would be a challenge, but if we're playing someone else, whew. Uh, but if we get decent goaltending, I'm just curious to see how this team responds after such a letdown against Carolina, and I'd like to see them respond by coming out with a strong effort. You know, and even if they aren't good enough to win just because of the talent differential, but at least give me a good effort in the game to show that they've learned something from what happened on Saturday. Uh, then on Thursday and Saturday, they have a home-and-home with the New Jersey Devils. And this, I think, is a great opportunity for the Blue Jackets because the Devils are a team that are, are at their level. So the Devils are a team that the Jackets should be able to beat. Um, they played once this season in New Jersey on Halloween. The Jackets wanted to shoot out. And the Devils have also, they were on a skid through December. They have won their last three, though, so they're heating up a little bit. But, you know, on paper, I feel like this is a pretty even matchup. I think these are games that the Jackets could win, maybe even should win, at least win the one at home. But it, it's a chance here to win back-to-back games even. And so, you know, we've seen the Jackets struggle against teams that are better. We've seen them lose games recently against bad teams like Vancouver. Again, hot team, but not a great team. Uh, struggle against Seattle, who's not very good. Um, but, like, let's win a game that you should win against a team that is on your level, a team that is behind you in the division standings, you know? Um, so that's something to keep an eye on this week in those games. Dougie Hamilton took a puck to the face in their last game. Uh, it's still not known what his status is. He was taken to the hospital to get checked out. Supposedly checked out fine, but we'll see if that is an injury that keeps him out. Uh, certainly if he's out, that is an opportunity for the Blue Jackets. So we'll keep an eye out for that. One final uh, thing to talk about. There was a nice hockey story over the weekend. The Vancouver Canucks posted about an equipment manager of theirs, Red Hamilton, who, when they were playing in Seattle for Seattle's home opener, there was a Kraken fan sitting behind the Vancouver bench who put a note on her phone and got his attention, put it up against the glass and said, Hey, there's a you know a mole on your neck that doesn't look right. You should see a doctor. Um, he did go see a doctor, had it checked out. Turns out it was a malignant melanoma, and he got it removed. The cancer didn't spread. He's he's healthy now, um, but it's important that he caught it when he did. So the Canucks posted on Twitter over the weekend, wanting to find out you know who was that fan. Could anyone help them find her? And they did. Um, her name is Nadia Popovich. She's a 22-year-old there in Seattle who is going to be going to med school this year. Um, and so the, the Canucks were back in Seattle. They arranged a meeting between uh, Nadia and Red. And 
uh, it was just a really sweet story. Sweet to see the videos about it. The the two teams combined to make a ten thousand dollar donation towards her med school tuition. Um, it's just a heartwarming story to see. Um, also, a nice reminder that uh, you know skin cancer is important. This guy, Red Hamilton, he is also fair skinned, and I am as well. Uh, and so I make a point to go to the dermatologist every year to get checked out. I've had moles removed and biopsied. Thankfully, they've all been negative so far, but um, I've had family members as well who have had uh, more serious tumors removed, and it's just something you have to keep an eye on uh, before it gets worse. So uh, if you are like me and, and have issues with the skin, or if you spend a lot of time out in the sun, like, yeah, be sure to check, go to the dermatologist and have those things checked out because you want to check it, get it before it's too late. Uh, another cool hockey thing from the weekend I wanted to discuss is the Winter Classic. Um, it was in Minnesota at Target Field. The Wild were hosting the St. Louis Blues. And uh, I didn't watch much of the game. Um, I was watching the Rose Bowl. When the Rose Bowl was over, I switched over, and the Blues already had a big lead. Uh but it was a cool-looking game. I love the scenes of those outdoor games. It was the coldest outdoor game they've had. It was below zero. You saw like sweat freezing on guys' beards into like icicles. The uniforms are really cool. Uh, it's just the vibe of the Winter Classic is so cool. It's good to see that game happening again. Uh, of course, it reminds us that one thing that Columbus fans are desperate for is our own outdoor game. The Jackets are one of the few teams that have not played in an outdoor game at this point. Uh, the Horseshoe would be a perfect setting for an outdoor game. Uh, I know that when the Jackets were in New York earlier this season that the Columbus-born players got to meet with Gary Bettman and Sean Corrali raised the issue with them. Said, when are we going to get an outdoor game? You know, the league has, they say the league has talked with Ohio State um, I think all the sides are aware of what would need to happen for the game to come off. It's just a matter of getting those logistics worked out, um, figuring out who's going to pay to you know, get the stadium winterized so that it can handle a game at that time of year. But these are fixable problems. These can be addressed. Um, I think it's a matter of time before it happens. I hope that it's sooner rather than later. Um, it's something the sides need to just get together and get it done and figure out their issues because it'll be to the benefit of both the league and to Ohio State to get it done. And I think the fans here would love it. I think the fans here would turn out for it. Um, it would be a great setting for a game. You could obviously do a doubleheader, have, you know, Ohio State play on it the day before, both the men's team and the women's team. You could have, uh, local high school teams and youth teams playing on the on the rinks there. There'd be enough room on that field, honestly, to set up multiple rinks. Um, we saw that in, in Minnesota where they had some auxiliary, more like pond hockey type rinks on the field, which is a really cool look. So, uh, yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. Let's say next five years, let's get an outdoor game in Columbus. Let's make it happen. That'll do it for us this week. Keep following us at jacketscannon.com for all of our coverage of the team, and we will see you next week. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscannon.com.
You can also follow The Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates. I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.